Let's get our Bibles out, open them up to Hebrews chapter 12 tonight, as uh, we take a look at a message about being focused on Jesus Christ. We can have all kinds of things around us in the complexity of our day. Uh, We think of the changes that we face because of COVID, because of what's going on in our families, because of what we look at in our workplace, and and what we've even experienced in the church. And I've been uh, really working through in my own mind some of the things we need to be grounded about, some of the things that need to be so foundational for us. Um, But of all of those other things that I would think about, the main thing is that we'd be grounded, focused on Jesus Christ. So we want to take a look tonight in Hebrews chapter 12 and um, uh, take a look at what that would mean. But what, what is this book about? Why, why do we have this book of Hebrews? Um, a couple of uh, just themes that come out of the book. One of the themes that comes out of this book is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Uh, you study Hebrews and you will see the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He is first. He is best. He is better. But the book is also written because this group of believers was in the middle of the battle. Uh, They were struggling. Uh, They were hurting. It wasn't so much from inside influences for them, as but but what the world was putting on them, the pressures, potential persecution that uh, they were coming under, uh, under, they hadn't yet suffered to shedding their blood. We'll see that even in our text. But but they were losing their jobs. They were losing relationships. They were losing. It was a hard time for them. And Hebrews 10, 24, 25, I remember as a kid, my parents using that as the the verse they would beat me is why I needed to go to church. Um, Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is. I'd be like, Paul, we're going to church, right? And, and, and I needed to hear that message, but that's not really what the verse was about. The verse was about during the hard times, it's easy to move off and, and wander away a little bit, and it's just too hard. There's too much difficulty. And, and so this book of Hebrews, although it's about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, and he is the answer for whatever we're going through, it's also, it's also a statement for us um, as believers in the struggle to stick with it and don't give up with our eyes fixed on Christ. So we want to take a look at this text. And uh, as I love to do, let's stand together as we honor God, as we read his word, Hebrews 12, uh, verses one to three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of of joy, excuse me, of God. Consider him, him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Father, as we look at your word, uh, Father, I pray that you would um, remove all of the other things that are distracting us and help us, Lord, to look to Jesus because that is our only hope. And so, Father, I pray you would take your word, the power of your spirit, use it, use it powerfully in my life, in our lives during these moments, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Four things I want us to take a look at right out of the text tonight. Here's the first one. When we're grounded, when we're focused on Christ, we will take time to remember. 
And when we're focused on Christ, we will take time to remember. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of of witnesses. The word uh, therefore appears three times in this chapter. And if you want to do some extra study on your own this week, um, there are some really pivotal things in it. The, the, the next one is found in uh, verse 12. It says, therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Uh, when we're focused on Christ, the ability to lift up our hands and strengthen our weak knees uh, is something that we need to do based on what Christ has done, what he's accomplished with him as the focus that's one of the byproducts, one of the therefores. The, the other one is at the very end of the chapter in uh, verses 28 and 29. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And uh, so here we're looking down the road at what's to come. And because of who Christ is, because of what he's accomplished... Let us look forward with hope to the eternal pleasure, the eternal gift that is ours in Jesus Christ. But those are the other therefores. This one in verse 1 is, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it's referring back to a chapter 11. They call it the, the, the faith chapter or the hall of faith, or there's all kinds of names for it. And there's all of these people who are in that. And, and it says in the text, it says, therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Now, some people have thought that that means that uh, all these people who are listed in this chapter are up in heaven watching us. Um, I don't believe that's what it means at all. Uh, I don't, you can have that if you want. You can be wrong if you choose to be. But, but that's not what I believe it's saying. I'm saying it's saying, what it's saying is we get to sit and look at all of these witnesses that are out there. All of these people who have gone before us, who have been filled with faith. And as we watch them, see them in their struggle, realizing they weren't perfect people either, it gives us hope to see what has happened. There's all kinds of them. The one that's in the chapter that for the life of me, I don't understand, but when I get to heaven, the Lord's gonna help me to understand it probably is, why is Samson there? A Samson's in this list. I can't find anything the guy ever does right until the end of his life when he pulls the pillars down, a whole bunch more people die, but he's listed amongst the people of faith. Okay, well, if nothing else, that should give us great hope. Um, if that guy made it on the list, then maybe we can make it onto a list like that as well. But he had faith. He had faith, even though it was at the end. And so if you're thinking, well, you know, I've kind of messed this stuff up. I haven't done my life right. Um, there's a guy who really didn't do it well. But when it came to being listed amongst the faithful, he's listed amongst the faithful. Um, three others really quickly out of the text. Noah, we see him in chapter 11 and verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And Noah's given the challenge to build this boat. And for the next hundred years of his life, he and his family, they, they build this boat, the ark, and, and God preserves them. And, and he was a man of faith. He believed what God called him to do. And he went out and he did it. Um, another one in the picture is Sarah in chapter 11, verse 11. And we see her with the faith for the power to conceive. She didn't start out with that. She laughed when she first heard about these things. But by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, 
even when she was past age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. God had promised. She hoped in the promise, and God delivered. Now, the last one I want us to take a look at is Abraham. Abraham had faith, believing that God could raise his son from the dead in verses 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered what God was able, that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which he, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so Abraham takes his son, and he's ready to sacrifice his son, and according to Hebrews 11, believing that God would raise his son from the dead. And so as we look into our chapter, and we'll get to the next part about getting our eyes on Christ, but this is setting the the tone for us, it's setting the picture for us, and we're told here that we need to be people who take time to remember. We need to remember God's goodness We need to remember God's faithfulness. We need to remember God's character. Uh, We've seen that so much in our church here and what God has done in about 12 short years, what he's allowed us to be a part of and his faithfulness. And during the difficult times, that's a good time to look back and remember God's goodness and his faithfulness so that when you're struggling with, oh my goodness, can this ever go to a good place? You go, look what the Lord has done. Of course he can. We will trust him and we will believe because God is faithful. God is sovereign. God is in control. He will lead his church. We spend way too much time worrying about the things we cannot control and way too little time remembering God and his faithfulness in the past and in our past. And so when I'm grounded, I'll be focused on Christ, but I'll take time to remember God's goodness. Remember the day you were saved. Remember the day when when God took you from life to death. Remember the time when you hated him and he brought you uh, through conversion to believing in Christ, trusting him. Remember his faithfulness. If you've gone through difficult times, it's, it's important. We will take time to remember. When we're grounded, here's the second thing. When we're focused on Christ, we will act responsibly. We'll act responsibly. Look at the second part of the verse. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, here's what it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's before us. So we'll act responsibly. It talks about things that cling. It says, let us lay aside the weight and the sin, the things that cling to us. Um, these aren't good things that cling to us. Uh, moms, you'll have a, a little rug rat, two, three years old, and you're trying to get dinner ready, and, and, and that little kid is just hanging off of your leg and won't let go. They just cling, and they're clinging, and they're clinging, and you're, can you just give me some space so I can get some things done, right? And they cling to us. Um, uh, here would be a, another picture of that. Um, a clingy person, um, as an adult, some of you know about people like that, and they just seem to be clingy all of the time. Here's one that I've experienced in my life. It's when clothes cling to you. Um, some of you are experiencing COVID-15, 20 for some, and your clothes don't fit like they used to fit, and they're always touching you, and you don't like it, and you want to go and buy bigger clothes 
because you want to get rid of that stuff that clings to you. Well, that's what it's, that's what it's talking about here. And in, in the text, it talks about two types of things. It talks about the weights and it talks about the sin. We want to get rid of the weight, first of all, that clings to us. We need to lay it aside, lay aside every weight. Well, if it's not sinful because you have every weight and the sin, what are some of the weights that we might find clinging to us that we need to shed? We need to put them off. We need to uh, get rid of them. Um, There's some obvious ones in our world today. For some of you, it's your phone. You can't put it down. As a matter of fact, you've already checked your emails or text messages since you came to church tonight. Because that thing is clingy for you. Um, uh, maybe it's your computer. Maybe it's not what, it's what you watch on it. Maybe, maybe for you, it's Facebook. Um, did you know none of us get a vote in the American election? But we're all checking it out all the time and wondering what's going on and these things that cling to us. They distract us from what we should be focused onto, what we should be Instagram, texting, email, online presence. Here's one, every weight, those masks that you're forced to wear. And you don't want, it's great being the preacher. You get to take it off for 40 minutes and talk like a crazy man, right? Um, But you have to sit there with your mask on and and some of you, it's becoming divisive. It's becoming, well, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. And others are like, well, you have to do it and you're unspiritual if you don't do it. And, And clingy things, clingy things. Some people are comfortable staying at home and not going to church. I don't have a problem with staying at home if, if your health requires it or you need to do it. But if you spent like last week in three restaurants and running around to all kinds of other places and, and then you can't come to church, that's a clingy thing, right? Get rid of the clingy things that are in your life. If we're gonna be focused, if we're gonna be focused, we need to act responsibly. Um, COVID and its idols, I wasn't one of those toilet paper guys when this all started. Um, but, I, but I was a food in the pantry guy. It revealed some idols in my own life. And we had more food in our house, in our closet. So it was like, we got no room left to add anything into the pantry. And the Lord was revealing idols in my life, right? Things that can be sinful, but at the first part, it was just like, oh, okay, we got to get more cereal. we got to get more cereal. She's like, there's only two of us in the house. We don't need 12 boxes of cereal, right? Um, what's in your life that's a clingy thing? Need to get rid of those things. The other part of the text talks about, though, is and the sin. And the sin. Deal with the clingy things, the weight, and sin. And sin, why? Because they're taking our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're causing us to lose our focus in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's God's will that you would be growing up and developing in Jesus Christ. But that's not where that verse ends. It says that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions um, of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Deal with the sin. If we're going to be people of God who are focused on Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to deal with the sin that's in our life. In those verses, it's talking about sins of the body. It's talking mostly about sexuality. But there's all kinds of other things. Um, I found myself in these last days, even as we were wrestling things through with the church, I found myself getting angry. I found myself in sin. 
There's nothing wrong with anger. Anger, righteous anger, anger towards godliness and the right things is right. Jesus wasn't having a party when he turned over the tables in the temple. He was, he was ticked off. He was angry. But maybe your anger hasn't always been right in all of this. And if I didn't get a little bit angry about some of the things in my own life, I wouldn't ever get to changing them and moving forward and asking God to work in my life through those things. And so, so what are those things? What are the things that cling? But what's the sin? What's the sin? If we are going to be people of God who are focused on Christ, we need to make sure that we are people who are acting acting responsibly. Here's the uh, third thing from the text. When we're grounded, when we're focused on Christ, we will live disciplined. We will live disciplined lives. Look again, um, the sin that clings closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're called to a race. This life that we live in Jesus Christ is, is a race. It's not a sprint. It's an endurance race. Um, as an athlete, a long, long time ago, mediocre athlete. I was all about sports that were about sprinting. I liked hockey, didn't like, ba- um, didn't like uh, soccer so much because you had to just keep running like for a long, long time, right? I liked basketball. I liked those kind of sports. I like things where it's like on and then off and then on and then off. But that's not the picture of what this text is. The picture of this text is a picture of endurance. That's what the, the Greek word means, um, it, it, it really is the same word that comes from the idea of being patient. But it does not mean patience that sits down and accepts things. It's not patience that says, well, okay, I guess this is the way it is. But rather it's patience which masters those things. It's determination. Um, it's going steady, steady at something. It's refusing to be deflected. And so as the writer is coming to this next part about looking at Jesus, he says this race we're in is a race that is an enduring race. It's a you don't give up race. It's a you hang in there race. Paul talks about it in other places in in scripture as well, where he gives different pictures of the same word. But the whole idea is that we hang in, we agonize, we don't stop, we don't give up, we endure And so this walk in Jesus Christ, this being focused on Jesus Christ requires us to be, requires us to be disciplined in our walk, disciplined in our faith. Is your, is your faith walk as you've seen it over these last months and especially now over these last few weeks, is your faith walk one that's being disciplined where you're focusing on the word, where you're focusing in prayer, where you're focusing on serving, where you're focusing and encourage one another and stirring each other up to love and good deeds. Is, is that the disciplines that are found in your life as you endure, as you run this race that we are called to? Because it brings us to the crux of all of this, which we find now in verse two. When I'm grounded, when I'm focused on Christ, I focus on Jesus. When I'm focused on Christ, I focus on Jesus. Look what it says. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The New American Standard Version says it this way, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
Jesus. The ancient Greek word here, looking to Jesus, uses a verb that implies looking away from other things and looking to Jesus. It's not just this, but it's putting away the other things. I think this, this idea in reverse would have been Peter walking on the water, right? He's out there, he steps out of the boat, he's walking on the water, and he's heading to Jesus, and then it says he saw the wind and the waves. He got distracted by what was around him, and he took his eyes off of Jesus Christ. And he begins to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me. Now, it's the only guy who got out of the boat, okay, so we'll give him that. But the reality is, that's the idea of what this, this, this uh, picture is, looking to Jesus. It's not just trying to always be, I'm on this focus, I'm on this focus, I'm on this focus. That's important. But it's the discipline of moving the other things out of the way so that we get looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. What are you primarily focused on these days? In the midst of COVID, in the midst of it's easy not to be in church, it's easy to to miss small group, it's easy. All of those things are so easy to do and we get our eyes off of, um, we get our eyes off of Jesus Christ and what he's called us to and our eyes wandering around into so many um, different things. Uh, For some of you, it's your job. And I need to say to you tonight, fix your eyes on Jesus. And some of you, it's your family. You go, how can that be wrong? Too many people have their eyes on their family at the cost of not having their eyes on Jesus Christ. Too many families, the focus is on your kids getting ahead, getting to a school, getting some education, getting some award, getting some, and they don't know Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Uh, Maybe it's your family. Maybe uh, for you, it's just doing good things. I want to do good things. I want to be a person who does that. Lots of people in our world want to do good things. Um, but we need to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Maybe you're looking at things uh, through the lens of life's not fair. Life's not fair. And you get distracted from looking at Jesus because of the circumstances that you find yourself in in your life right now. Uh, maybe you've lost your job. Or, or maybe a relationship is broken, or maybe an opportunity has passed you by, or maybe, and all those things, and, and you look around at other people, people who don't even know Christ, and it seems like, like they get it all. They're not suffering at all. You see that all over the scripture. Psalm 73 is big about those things. And, and there they are getting ahead. There they are. Uh, the grass is greener for them, and you got your eyes off of Jesus Christ and you've got your eyes onto the circumstances around you. This idea of fix your eyes on Jesus, it comes from you stop fixing on so many other things that distract you and get your eyes back on the one who saved you. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author, the perfecter, or finisher of our faith. Uh, Jesus is not only the founder of our faith, but he's also the perfecter of it. Um, Philippians 1.6, I'm actually going to finish this message by reading that verse to you. But in Philippians 1.6, it says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Hey, church, difficult season, difficult time. Christ loves his church more than we ever could. His desire for us to move forward for the glory of God is stronger than ours could ever be. 
And so we need to go back and remember who he is and fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. It says right in the text in, in verse two, it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, the joy that was set before him was not the cross. It was not going to hang on a cross. It was not the suffering. It was not the whipping. It was not the agony. It was not the crying out to God. It was not, that wasn't the joy. That was necessary, had to happen so we could have salvation. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and here it is, and is seated, there's the joy, and is seated as a result. The work is done, the work is accomplished, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But Jesus bore all of that hellish shame that went before the joy for us. He bore the shame of accusation. He bore the shame of mocking. He bore the shame of beating. He endured or wore the shameful crown. He wore the shameful robe. Jesus bore shameful mocking even as he prayed on the cross. And even as we know in the Easter story, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ went through all of that. Why? For the joy that was set before him to be seated at the right hand of God. Our salvation work completed, finished in Jesus Christ. See, that's who I have to learn. That's who I have to get my eyes on the work of this Jesus Christ for what he did, what he accomplished for me. When I get my eyes fixed on that, then we can work through all kinds of other things we need to work through all kinds of pieces of restoration, all kinds of pieces of how do I love people who are unloving? How do, I, um, how do I keep my eyes fixed on him? How do I keep my priorities right? When I get my eyes fixed on the one who had his eyes fixed on the prize for me and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. All that shame, all that mocking, all that he went through, that's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of me separated from God with no hope, no way to, not even a desire to know God. No one, no one seeks after God, no one. It's only by God's grace and God's mercy that any of us are even saved. And God in Jesus Christ, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive in Jesus Christ. It comes as we, by faith, trust this finished work of Jesus Christ. When you think about what he accomplished for you, if you trusted him, if you put your faith in Christ alone for your salvation, not Christ in what I can do, not Christ in how good I am, not Christ in anything else, but in Christ alone. Because when your faith is in Christ alone, then you can fix your eyes on Jesus because you get to the place of, oh my goodness, I have no other hope. There's nothing else that's gonna save us. It's all about my savior, Jesus Christ. Transferring trust, believing by faith, receiving the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, you could do that tonight if you've never trusted Christ. You can believe him. You can believe what he did. You can believe what he accomplished for you. You can transfer the trust from all these things that I find myself hoping in and put your trust in Christ alone. Tonight, you can be, you can be saved. Well, here's the last thing. When grounded, when I'm grounded, when I'm focused on Christ, I will be grounded in what has been accomplished or what is accomplished. 
Um, look at verse three. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Now look at verse four for a second. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. You haven't had to go through that level of pain and suffering and anguish, right? Okay, now go back to verse three. Consider him. Consider him. Mull this over. Take time focusing on the things we just saw in the verse before. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Excuse me. Now, I'd like to think that's like that's the rest of you. And I can consider what you did to him. Shame on all of you. That verse is about me. Consider him and what he endured for Paul Whittingstall. Consider him and what he endured because of my sin and my separation from him. Consider him and what he endured so that I could have the hope of eternal life. Consider him in the hard times who didn't give up on me, who went all the way to the cross, all the way to giving his life and then risen from the dead, proving who he was, but he suffered all of those things for me. Hey, that, that, that puts wind in my sail for during the tough time, I'm not giving up on him. And I'm sure not giving up on his bride. I'm not giving up on the church. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to serve God. And I'm going to watch and see what he will do in this church, in my life, as I remember what he accomplished. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted so that you won't grow weary, or another version calls it discouraged, so you won't pack it in, so you won't stop trusting. Sue and I have been married for over 40 years, and in 40 years, she's learned a couple of times that I'm not perfect, and there are things that she's had to endure, she has to put up with, she has to learn in, she has to... I can tell you right now, if it weren't for Jesus Christ, why do marriages fall apart all over the world? Because there's no hope in Jesus Christ. But because of who we are in Christ, uh, she will endure. Uh, She hangs in there. She doesn't give up. Consider him who endured, who endured so that you won't grow weary and you won't be discouraged in your soul. Knowing that Jesus doesn't ask more of us than what he, was, what he did himself for us. When I'm grounded, I mean, excuse me, when I'm grounded, I'll focus on Christ and I will be grounded, I will be remembering, I will be focused on what has been accomplished for me. I'm doing this more and more these days. I, I, I've said it for many years and I have been doing it, but more and more every day, trying to get my day focused on the gospel before I get my day focused on a cup of coffee or whatever else needs to come in my day. 
right? Get my eyes focused on who Jesus Christ is before I get out of bed in the morning. I know I preached that here before and I'm still learning to do that and you're gonna learn to do that and there are seasons where it's easy and there are seasons where it's difficult, but would we be people of God who are grounded in what Christ has accomplished for us so that we put the stuff through the lens of, oh my goodness, look what Christ did for me. Oh my goodness, he never gave up on me. Oh my goodness, I'm sure not quitting on him. Focused on Jesus Christ. Well, so what? You haven't heard that for a while, have you? Well, so what? As a church during these days, we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. Ian talked in the family chat of like, there's lots of work to be done and we're gonna need your help. We need your prayers. We need your support. We need all those things that we need and we do need those things. But it's only going to be a work of God and used for the glory of God if we get Jesus on the throne and him first in our church and what we're trying to accomplish. And we need your help to pray for us that we would be men who are doing that. And then we need to pray that we would be a people of this church who are doing that. And that in this last verse, we wouldn't grow weary. We wouldn't get tired. We wouldn't think about giving up. We won't grow faint-hearted. We won't be discouraged, but we will fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Philippians 1.6, as I said, I was coming back to it. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We believe there are great days ahead for our church. We believe there are great days ahead for us in our walk in Jesus Christ. Let us be people who follow hard after the one who began the good work and will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this powerful um, text, these, these three or four verses that just help us to remember people who went before us and we can learn from them, we can be encouraged by them and all the rest. But Lord, all of that, it, it gets us to now focused on Jesus Christ, focused on Jesus Christ with the hurt, with the pain, with some of the healing that needs to happen, with the hope, with the desire to move forward, would we be a church, would we be people of God who are focused on the one who gave us life in Jesus Christ? Would we be focused on the one who paid the price for us? Would we be focused on the one who never gave up? Would we be focused on the one who is that author and that finisher of our faith? Would we honor him in how we serve and how we live? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.